Why We Bleep is sponsored by Signal Sounds. Hey, mate. 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 Have you heard the news that Signal Sounds is a website on the internet for a shop in Glasgow that has tons of stuff in stock and can get it to you very quickly within 48 hours in most cases? Yes. Yes, it's true. And they stock not boring things. The opposite, a thing called interesting, which includes devices by the 512 company who make the vector sequencer, which looks off the hook and is out now. The Chaos Zadar for extremely fruity envelopes and the Dove Audio WTF. I think it stands for What the Fuck? And shout out to DivKids Mutes module recently in stock. I've been playing with it. It's Ace. Love you, Ben. And shout out to Modal Sculpt Desktop Synth recently in stock and the Cupus. 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 From Make Noise. These things and more can be found on their website, recently converted from 10,000 punch cards into an online emporium. Find it at signalsounds.com. Once again, signalsounds.com. Greets, friend. Welcome to Why We Bleep. My God, today we're going to talk to Nick from Subfocus, who is Subfocus. Don't even worry about it. Kind of a big deal. Gets played on Radio 1. Freaking sells out like Brixton Academy every second Saturday of the month. Don't worry about it. Just like kind of a huge deal, making drum and bass. And a massive, high, enormous, operating, huge, hyper, major label way. Don't worry about it. But he's actually a really nice man. Uh, in fact, he is an incredibly nice man. And me and Nick sat down in his studio, very kindly, to talk about modular and making music and generally geeking out about fun stuff to do with electronic music because that's just what he's into. He is a sweet dude. So stick around if you like conversations with sweet dudes. In the meantime, I have some very important news that I need you to know, and that is, don't worry about it, no big deal, made an album. What? I know what you're thinking. You're deeply disappointed that I'm one of these preachy bastards who finishes music and is going to tell you all about it. Well, I am. On this one occasion, I am, because, by God, I don't finish music a lot of the time. So it's kind of a big deal to have. And there's going to be a video about this. What do you need to know? You need to know that the music is free. You can download it for nothing because it is all bought and paid for by a tiny little family-run company called Google, who <laughs> run this website called YouTube. I've never heard of it, but YouTube got in touch and wanted to commission me, as they have commissioned some other very, very, very nice YouTubers, to make an album. And this music is for a thing called the YouTube Audio Library, which is kind of an amazing thing. The Audio Library is free music that you can download and not only put on your Microsoft Zune, you can use it in your YouTube videos for free. And you don't need to write to me, ask my permission, ask Google's permission. They pay for it. It's yours. 
which is kind of awesome. So they've done this with myself and they've done this with lots of other folks as well. Um, meaning there is 10 tracks. There are 10 tracks of music for free and you can go and listen to them. I hope this will be out by the time this is out. If not, very soon. And I'll make a video which just collects all of the tracks together into the running order that I've come up with. Because basically, I was thinking about this. I'm like, YouTube, get in touch with you and say, write an album. The criteria is that they've got to be instrumentals. I'm like, that's all I write. That's fine. So what do you write? Do you write background music that's designed to be talked over? Or do you write some music that works with speech or what or how or what? What do you write? Um... And it is a bit of a quandary, um, and my approach was just to think, well, you know, people license album tracks that were just written without licensing in mind all the time. That's a huge source of income, and actually one of the primary sources of income for a lot of artists. It keeps them in a job. Um, and so I just thought, well, I'll just write 10 tracks, and I'll collect them together. And if they work together as an album, then that's pretty cool. But that's not the purpose. It's just to write 10 tracks that I like, that are varied and kind of have a... It just they do, they do want to all be a bit different. They can't just be 10 of the same thing. Um, it's very hard for me to say whether the tracks are good or not. But they're done. And it was amazing to have a project. And it was amazing to do it. And I'm really excited to release some stuff in a kind of formal way. And it took this project to kind of make that happen. I've got hundreds and hundreds of things in various states of completion, uh, even albums that were sort of partly mastered that I wasn't totally happy with. Um, you know how the saying goes, the work expands to fill the time available? Well, if you don't have a deadline, the work expands infinitely. So give yourself a deadline. Um, I want to make a video about all of this, and that'll talk more about it. All I'm going to say is the music is there. Go on the YouTube audio library, hopefully, and type Mylar Melodies, and it should come up. It's yours. It's free. Download it and do what you like with it. In other news, there are a couple of videos. I made a video about the Lyra, the Soma Lyra, which is a crazy, intense delay. And if you haven't checked that out, please do, because it's bananas. And then another thing is I made a video which is a collection of practicing on my modular. And I bring this up because I've been doing more of that. Practicing on my modular because I've got gigs, damn it. At the end of March, if you're in Bristol, United Kingdom, come to a thing called Machina Bristronica, which is a awesome first time out for Elevator Sound, the very, very sweet-ass cool people at Elevator Sound, putting on basically a night and a day where you've got people bringing all the latest sweet-ass gear. You'll have myself actually demoing things and also talks and live music, including a guy called Stevio. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's kind of special to me. Uh, Stevio and Susie B together performing, going to kind of be at the front of that one. Um, and a whole smorgasbord of other awesome people, including Mug Chops myself, will be playing too. And another thing, which is kind of fantastic and wonderful, is I'm going to interview Steve Davis. Yes, snooker star DJ Steve Davis is going to be at the event. I actually can't think of a better Why We Bleep subject. Why We Bleep. Steve's story is all about that. Why does he bleep? 
And from what I can tell, Steve just seems like the soundest, nicest dude. So we're going to have a good chat. Speaking of which, we've got some focus on the show. Oh, my God. Yes, mate. What do we talk about? What don't we talk about? I would say, as I've said, that this is a absolute solid gold gear geek chat. We talk perhaps more about the tools than in any other podcast. Chatting about modules, synths, software, the good stuff. But I'm kind of always curious to ask Nick questions about operating at this kind of magnitude. Like where you're assigned to a major label and you're playing colossal shows with huge amounts of responsibility on your shoulders to deliver a pounding, high-energy, joyful experience to all and sundry without fail. It feels like there'd be very little scope for improvisation and we talk about that. But it's just a whole different thing. You have a responsibility to deliver. You can't be like doing your experimental techno um, where you're making it all up every second when you've got albums to promote and deliver and play and responsibilities. It's scary. It's interesting to pick someone's brains who's doing it at this level. Um, But as I say, we talk about playing live and touring, delivering and playing the hits um, and some other good dweeby stuff. So what else do we talk about? Carillon Computers, the Halls of Valhalla ZDSP card, Richard Devine's mad, insane wizards, wizard music. We talk about commercially available physical modelling synths. Were there any? Spoiler, there was, but I forgot it. I've linked it in the description because there was one I forgot. We talk about making bangers on Acorn Computers, the HXC floppy emulator, the Roland JV1080, the Moog DFAM, visiting Anaheim, visiting Superbooth. The Mackie CR1202, the Maxfly Granulator plugin, Katsushika Hokusai, an algorithmic painting, Dada Life's Endless Smile plugins, the Sport Modulator, Shadowboxing by Doc Scott, and Orteca's MTS sessions, as well as James Holden. And to cap it all off, the man brings up Manuel Gottsching's E2 to E4. I told you Nick was sound. I told you. So without further ado, let's talk to Subfocus. Cheers. You were saying your first stuff, you were just, you were like anti-hardware. Yeah, um, well, no, my my very first... I've gone through loads of setups. I think my first, like, kind of pro setup was... I used to use those, like, um, PCs from uh, Carillon. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I used to work for them. I know, man. Yeah, so... Well, initially, I was just using, like, my sort of family computer. I was pretty, like, kind of aggressively plug-in-centric from that time onwards. I think... I was trying to just not get distracted by having lots of hardware because I'd had friends who had sort of got loads of bits and like got loads of kit and and it was kind of not really learnt it properly and it's yeah. it is harder to have lots of equipment and kind of get it all to work Hell yeah. with each other. I think here was like the first time I really sort of decided to you know like upscale again and and have like some more kit around so you kind of want to make it look like a studio kind of thing and then i kind of came across the whole modular world um at one point and uh became really fascinated but i think it was it was funny because initially it was like 
it was really sort of stupid, like superficial things. Like I just was like, because I kept on seeing things like buklers like on the internet and not really knowing what they were. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of came across a lot of like Eurorack stuff, and it was like the look of it was really cool, as well as like. And then I was kind of so it was almost like the look of it that initially piqued my interest. Totally. I think I remember when I was at. Um, was that when I was at uni? Um, I was studying sound engineering, and there was like a poster on the wall with like Keith Emerson in front of an enormous Moog modular. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. kind of burned in my brain how cool that looked. <laughs> um, but I didn't really know <laughs> what it That's was. That's going to be me on stage one day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, yeah, I, I always loved that. I think initially when I was getting into it, you know, just like looking at things online, it's quite a sort of impenetrable world Um, and I was remembering actually because I I, like one of the videos that I found that was really exciting me was your video you did of the Metropolis yeah 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 yeah. Um, and uh, I remember being I was on tour in India actually in a hotel room just like looking at that video thinking like (laughs) really like like, I'm really excited by this Um, I think also what was what was nice about kind of because you didn't have many videos online at that time. No, that was like my first sort of like modular, modular vid. Yeah. And that was done because I just loved the Metropolis so much. I was like, nobody, like, not being mean, I'm like, no one else is going to do a video that does this justice to you. And I've been really excited about that from seeing Mm. other videos of that sequencer and the sort of, the possibilities and just the... And the history of it's so cool as well, the way you sort of like um, talked about that. So um, it's derivation but it was the it was like mm. the electro funkness of it like whenever you played with that sequencer it did really interesting things that yeah i'd never yeah got yeah. me really excited which is like yeah what definitely you're trying, trying to communicate I, I think um yeah with with modules you're always like um personally i always love stuff that feels really intuitive and like has a good sort of sweet spot to it because i think um i i find like some um and when you you, when you use metropolis you're just like kind of instantly like get really interesting results and then you can kind of randomize those results and it's just transposing it is very fun yeah Yeah. really fun thing to play with i think that's um definitely one thing that um the sort of criteria that i like builds um you know like adds adds modules to my setup is they kind of have to be really easy to use because Mm. sometimes I think it's inevitable because you've got lots of different designers of modules that you end up with with in one case yeah frankincense yeah and it's um, sometimes you know because they're all different Mm. designers they're all deciding on different operating systems you know within the modules well they all have different like this uh, different ways I had someone like messaging me it was like yeah I'm having a problem with this module because like it's like the filter's quiet, I think it was yeah. his point. And it was it was yeah. because his like output envelope generator only went to like five volts and the filter needs ten. Yeah, and yeah. And it's those kinds of silly standards that yeah that are not standard because this is all just a wild west of people yeah. just making stuff and just putting it out. Yeah. Um, I was remembering as well like the sort of videos that I was coming across. I think the standard of videos about modular has like vastly improved yeah. since um since you sort of started doing them. Like I remember loads of videos of sort of um just like people doing like filter sweeps yeah. of like saw waves and stuff and you'd just be like if you're trying to like see what filter would like and it'd just be like wow <laughs> for like hours of like different like sort of well, i think like, stuff, the like, basic you, ones are good but it's, do you it's, like those it's what makes people want to buy stuff is like you know if, if my yeah. you know i consider like the reason i'm making a metropolis video is because i want people to buy it because i'm like yeah i'm like i'm excited about this I love it. You should have one too. Mm. 
So the and the best way to get people to buy things, I think, is just to allow them to see themselves doing that. And that's that's yeah, you know, to like see the possibilities. Of it's it. just like just to yeah. picture yourself, just like I could, yeah. I could, I could see myself having a lot of fun with this. Yeah, but it's like I mean, I don't know how your modular works out in terms of actual production because yeah. you, I mean, what you're doing is you obviously have like you've got a career and you've got like. I must. Mm. I feel like you must have obligations mm. to sort of to the labels and to deliver and to to make stuff happen, yeah. Um, yeah. which does not allow you time <laughs> to just be like, can yeah. I do a bit of like modular just play? To that, like, yeah. like, do you yeah. know what I mean? As in, I, I've True. spoke to other like writers as well who kind of, you know, in a weird way, separate their hardware from their their almost like their day job music and mm. their play. Is, yeah, they can yeah. be two separate projects, and obviously yeah. you can, they can mingle too. Like. Yeah, the funny thing about it is, it's kind of like for yeah. When I started, I was like, I've kind of like got a hobby that's like exactly the same as my job. Sort yeah. Of thing. Um, I mean, obviously, I really enjoy making music, so it doesn't feel like a job at yeah. any time. But it, it is slightly kind of weird to take up this thing because it, yeah, it's like a totally other sort of thing. I like. Um, I I do like. I guess there's like two kind of types of work that I would do with the modular like I'd sort of do um sometimes I'll just like play with it kind of thing and it's more of a fun sort of um type scenario and and sometimes I'll be very sort of um targeted with it and make parts for songs that I'm working on yeah um or you know use it at the start of sessions um, you do that sort of tracks. like just jam like 20 minutes of stuff and um, slice up yeah that kind of thing like just just recording in long passes but it's quite like um it's yeah i'd be when i'm when i'm recording it for tracks there's quite a lot of like refining it and 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 like sort of keeping the sequence go you know like leaving everything plugged in and, yeah. and sort of um and doing a few different options kind of thing because um i've got a lot of effects in the case but often you like record it in super wet and then you mm. realize that it'd be nice to have like a really dry one so, so mm. you can get like do use plug-in delays or something um you know, you add. You, you might want to add the the um, DSP within the thing. Valhalla DSP. But yeah, yeah. that's wicked. I love yeah, the yeah. the shimmer card for that. It's awesome. Um, it is nice having those effects like hands on and also yeah. being able to modulate them. Um, and and sometimes, yeah, often when I'm kind of playing with it, I like to do. I love the challenge of just making music within the modular. So yeah, like yeah. Having everything running from that. Have you done that? And, um, and actually, yeah, I've done got, that quite a bit. Got, like, um, do you have drums in here? Yeah, I've got a few got drums. Yeah, like a, well. a Peaks. Um, I did have yeah. a, a tip top one in there. I'm not sure what I've done with that. I think That's I might good. have lent that to a friend of mine. But yeah. um, kind of banging for. Yeah, I find out I, t- I tend to like make if I'm just making music on that. I don't tend to make drum and bass really. I tend to make um, sort of house and techno type yeah. stuff or weird ambient stuff. I'm um, trying to think about that. I was chatting to uh, mate Tom at work, and it's there aren't that many drum and bass modular artists. In fact, there are, yeah. I don't think. No, there are people. Will no, no, there, there are, are a few people. You know I mean? Like, um, I'm trying to think who's really into. I mean, um, uh, Dimension, who's a guy I just yeah. recently worked with. Um, he's just moved in downstairs here, actually, and he has a big setup. Um, who else is into it? Um, tell you what, um, Tice from Noisier right. um, is really yeah. into. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he'd course. be a really good guy to be to speak yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Like, they're, um, they're like mad into it. Yeah, and they're just super. Sort of yeah. deep technical guys. So yeah, exactly. I've watched like a bunch of video chat. of them just in Cubase, just like <laughs> yeah. just getting pure science. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty deep on that. So yeah, I'm sure he. I mean, I've had 
chats to him sort of on the road about about this stuff but we haven't like sat down and, and it's like anything. the thing that i'm it's the it's the sort of thing of discipline where like you know i think everyone goes through this like we all you know when you get into modular stuff you're like yeah. get the appeal of it but it's it's re- allowing it to like remain relevant and, and actually get the process of getting music done like I struggle yeah, yeah. with that like, I use it can I- be yeah it can be very easy to like noodle and, and yeah and, when, and like, also when you're just trying to get a tune done like yeah. going to the modular with its infinite possibilities is often the most counterintuitive like way you're yeah. much better off just using like you know, it can be quite just, a detour yeah yeah, yeah. And just getting um, but if you've got the discipline i think that's like yeah i think I, I, I see it a little bit like an instrument like um i was in this um uh big studio the other day and i had my modular and there were other players around and it was kind of like this is my sort of specialty instrument sort of thing you can play the piano this is kind i can play the modular what i play so it was fun and i just like yeah sort of there are like really specific things that i really love to use it for i think um kind of like sequences and like things like unusual like quantizey kind of bends i really like yeah. from it so using things like the u scale i saw that in the video um, you were doing like you had the metropolis and you were doing yeah. slides through a quantizer so it, yeah, it does yeah. like a little trill i really like that i mean yeah. i tried to sort of recreate that using like antara's autotune yeah, yeah but it's quite sounds a bit different in modular and i think it's it's nice when you use quantizers to like create these like randomized solos and yeah, stuff yeah. can be really interesting like, yeah. like just an unusual sound that i don't think anything else really makes apart from yeah. modular yeah yeah like you're just getting like a dc offset into the micro scale and then just like twiddle a thing mm. and so you're just like bling, bling, like up yeah. and down the scale by yourself yeah can yeah be, can be wicked i mean i love like um people like richard divine really yeah. really interesting like what they do with modules i think like that sort of I don't. I feel like a couple of times I've got that that sort of feel, but it's quite difficult. You know that sort of feeling of like controlled sort of randomness. Yeah, control chaos. Achieves is is really clever. Like with the with the beats and stuff. And I was using that. Um, I read like a few things that he was saying online about this, and like I was, I got one of these like Ladic um, uh, modules, which is a kind of random gate generator. Yeah, and that was quite like helpful in terms of like trying to create that sort of random but controlled sort of thing. So does, is um, that one where it'll do like bursts and then kind of go simple? And it sort of does, um, it's just got like different, it's got like, you kind of feed it a clock and then it has like multiple um, gate gener- generators that are just below it in, in um, just, you know, little mini jackouts. Mm. Um, I can't remember what how it sort of works, but it doesn't really do bursts, um, but it just seems to kind of create these quite kind of um, good rhythms for things like um, if you use that with clouds or something like that yeah. to freeze um, that that sounded really interesting mm. I also really like the um, for stuff like that um, Pamela's new workout yeah, yeah. you can generate that like do sort of um, yeah the t- like different um, export like different random clocks from it basically yeah um, I like Pamela's amazing for like dialing yeah. a very specific set of things like yeah. I need this and you, I've yeah, not the, the random waves that you, you can yeah, do like yeah, kind of you, right. can you do like Euclidean LFOs as well like where you've got I like I think so but I haven't of, really yeah I've not dove got into that yet for me it's like just the ultimate master clock yeah. where I was like I need this exact clock this exact swung clock here you know yeah there, it's, so you, it's really good for that it's, it's like, kind of like because I think do you, do you ever have that thing of like 
thinking about what module like are, are there some like modules that don't exist yet that you'd really like to have sort of thing I'm not really clever enough to do that there is one I mean I'm not there either is, to, like, to actually yeah, make them but I, like, I think yeah, of yeah. stuff but also not even like. to think of them do you know what I mean it's like I, although with that said there are certain there's been things where I've been building like a, a system to do something and I'm like kind of just wish I had a module that did this and the X and mm. Y. And so there's a couple of plumbing things. Like, for example, yeah. one was I would like a module with, like, a double pole, double throw thing so that you can have, like, one set of CV. Oh, is it? I think maybe. Oh, no, it was to have two sets of pitching gate in and only one output and allow you to select from those two. Oh, yeah. Do you see what I mean? And so both pitch and gate could come from two different sources and you could go zoom and just shift from one source to another very quickly. Right, okay. So that you'd be able to have two sequences running and just bash between. Like a sort of crossfader kind, kind of Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. But it would be immediate, you know. And, and that's the kind of thing. Why, why would two to one be useful? Because I was thinking I wanted to oh, have, yeah. I, I I wanted I just see, have yeah. two sequences. Yeah. One doing, and I could set one up to do something else and yeah. then just smash across to it and then suddenly we would have like sure. that as of a new melody yeah versus I, I, like, having... I like this idea of like how because they the modules like the whole modular thing is very cool for performance but yeah. it's also like really hard to sort of harness in a way like I've been really interested watching your videos about yeah. like your setup yeah I think um, one idea that popped into my head on the way here actually was like this this sort of idea me, me and a couple of friends were talking about which was like you could have like two modulars next to each other so let's say that kind of set up like a 9u rack yeah um and then a, a dj mixer in between so that you could like almost like you you'd have to start with a sort of pre-made song and then um whilst that one is sort of playing and whoever's like you'd have two people yeah. performing um once that that song's sort of playing and you and you're kind of um bringing parts in and out of it the other person is sort of beavering away on the next the track, next so it's kind of like DJing, but with two like random, you know. Two, you could totally do that, yeah. I mean, that's modulus, like, it's a bit like the surgeon of, thing of like playing with a track, you know. Like, he, yeah, I don't think he does that now. I think it feels like he just does like when he plays, he's just almost exclusively modular, or he's DJing. But right, yeah, but, like, he would, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah it's, it's cool. He really had such a, and I think he was using like, I mean, I was obviously using like the Octa track, and he, I think he'd kind of, you know locked every tune into tempo mm. and then the octa track is like the master controller so that he can really yeah. blend his modular but mm. you're right there is just so much potential to kind of have like, yeah. these improvisational systems I, where you, you the, can the, have people working together but, yeah yeah and in I, key as well you know all it's that. it's yeah because yeah i mean it's like when you're using like metropolis or something it's so good for kind of improvising sequences and stuff yeah. and changing them on, on the fly um i think um the big issue with like performing that i found with them is the tuning yeah um and I, it's kind of like an issue i have with a lot of modules actually is that i almost like because you know what you know when you start using a daw you're like why does it do something like this and i think that's like my sort of outsider perspective first going into modular was like why is there like a massive course tune knob on everything? Like, mm. yeah, I'd, I think, especially with like the digital modules, I'd love it if they were a bit more like locked. You had like I a, get it with the analog things that that's just the, the way I think, that yeah, those had to work. say, well, I want to give them like 10 octaves of range, so I'm just going to put one massive knob. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but it almost seems like in modular, like people want to be able to. Um, like do crazy modulations with the pitch but yeah. I, I think like from a musical perspective i'd love it if it's there was some helpful. kind of more like some sort of like lock 
um, on, on could, the pitch to yeah, tune things. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Like, and I've always, like with oscillator design, oscillators that have octave switches, I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, that's mm. exactly what I, I want. Like, yeah. even the, like, that's very useful, yeah. Like, yeah. like the Atlantis, for example. Exactly. To it's quickly like, pitch it up and why, why do people not put octave switches on these things? I mean, you can make octave switches, and there are modules like, um, like Beast's Chalkboard, which yes. is just like two yeah, octave yeah. switches. And then there's like the precision adder that you can do like octave up and down and add things and subtract. Yeah. But like, yeah, like that dope for A110 oscillator has got a little tiny little detented octave switcher and it's, yeah. it's just super like musical and useful. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And it also it's that practicality of when you're playing, like I pulled the knobs off my rings because if you touch like the, whatever it is, the, get the name of it uh, structure oh, yeah. like it changes the tuning on some of yeah. these models too so you're like yeah, I just yeah, pull yeah. the knobs off so that I don't I can't oh, wow. them yeah and then you can still turn them but you don't oh I see like you really, just see the metal kind of thing because they're really like those yeah. grippy parts I if thought you, you meant you like shaved the yeah just like angled right the bad boys off, off yeah. I'm like right commit to that to that <laughs> tuning standard yeah it's true that'd be that would be super limiting. hard but, um, I did imagine like but what? I know what you mean because yeah the more um, kind of uh, unmelodic um you know what is it? The 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 mo- half of the modes are kind of quite um, uh, sort of inharmonic, inharmonic, yeah, as they well, are like quite like yeah, weird like and bells and stuff. Bellsy. yeah, yeah. The rings is such a hard yeah. one to tune, but it's also such a it's like, a wicked one. I really exactly like for like yeah. for like. Like one of the things that I was playing around with when I, when I was working out the live system, my first iteration, which I I didn't play with this exact thing, but I basically had a Metropolis mm. Atlantis. Yeah, and, I love Atlantis. And like, yeah, exactly, just for like the 101 vibes. But into the Atlantis, you feed rings into mm. the external input and just, just have rings going along with the Atlantis, like being mm. fed by the same pitch. Okay. Because yeah. just being able to like fade in that ringsiness. Yeah, it's like a nice extra character. It's such yeah. a weird, like, it's a real like yeah. ear bender where you're like, what is that? I think like, um, it's funny because I always like, completely overlooked like physical modeling synthesis until i started looking at like those mutable modules like um elements and rings um and then it kind of made me realize how cool that was and it's kind of weird that i think maybe i'm more aware of it now and i guess ableton's got like a physical collision yeah Yeah. and it's Um, i think it's it's just not what we underrated sort of type i think yeah we don't gravitate to it and there's there aren't any like full i'm trying to think of like what big commercial products have come out, i.e. like, you know, like Juno 60s that are physical models. Yeah. And there aren't any. I guess like, it's, yeah, the, well, there, there is, aren't just, the, there was like that company like, was it like Tasman or something that had, there, there was one company that did like, that still do physical like modeling plugins. stuff. I think they actually collaborated with IntelliGel for that, um, for the Oh, you, you're module. right, for that. It's AA, AAS, is yeah. it the company where it's like, yeah, and Plonk has got... Yeah. But it's it's only in like Eurorack where we're getting like little physical modeling. Like no one's done yeah. a physical model. I say that, but I suspect like the Korg, like probably the Kronos. I would not be surprised if it had if a fiddling model. Yeah, and, like, and actually, I, you know, I I'm a bit guilty of kind of not thinking about like I'm writing off things like the Kronos and the Yamaha. Yeah. Like, um, what's the big mo- is it motif? Not the motif. It's oh, the yeah. montage. Yeah, Which I think they're I, actually I amazing fun- synths. Like, yeah, yeah, they, it's they funny, are, like- isn't it? I'm always like really turned off by those like big workstationy yeah, things. I had um, when we were talking at the beginning about like hardware. Initially, when I started making music, I did accumulate some hardware because it was like I got into making music just on the cusp of sort of um, like VSTs 
being invented basically yeah, was this so like, like 2003 basically yeah i mean i started just releasing music good in, in 2003 but like when did um, you start but i think i started well i started making like i started making music on on an acorn computer that's on, extremely on old school <laughs> yeah <laughs> like dot matrix printing like yeah it was like it was mad because i was making like how are you even doing that? What? Um, it was like in the mid '90s, and I was just I was like hearing Jungle and stuff, yeah. and I was trying to make it That's on this software cool. called Notate, and you basically had to um, you had to input like notes with like classical notation, Brilliant. so it was quite a funny mix. <laughs> Ring spaces like, on like the, the bass clef, like <laughs> on the staff, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like trying to like pitch sort of amen breaks and stuff. So in. did it have sampling? Yeah, it did. That I seems had, quite like, advanced, um, really, like, for an Acorn computer. There was we this, like, school, dongle really. thing that you could put in the principal, and, and it was, like, a little 8-bit sampler. Oh, my God. Um, but basically, the way that the, all the sounds worked, they were kind of a bit like sound fonts in that they were, I, I imagine... I think what they were was basically, like, each sound was a sample sort of thing. So it yeah. wasn't, like, a multi-sample. It was just, like, a recording, One and you'd... Cycle. you'd if you got far away from the pitch center of the original sound, it would obviously sound like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how that worked. But then I quickly, after yeah, after my family got a PC, I kind of got into like using like Cubasis and mm. Cubase. Yeah, yeah. So that was. But, you but around that hardware, time, like... I did get some hardware. So I had like um, like a Trinity rack. Um, yeah. Which That's was great. which That's was like... actually quite cool, and I got rid of it. I'm I'm kind of annoyed. That I like, I got is rid it of that. true that the Trinity rack it was like i remember that like kylie's can't get you out of my head oh yeah apparently all done on like a like oh, that a would definitely rack. not surprise me because it and has a like, lot of those like house organ yeah. kind of bases and stuff um, and i guess it kind of um because uh yeah because it's all korg isn't it so it's kind of goes back to like m1 mm. days um sort of wave tabley sort of yeah rumpler yeah exactly like because yeah, well, yeah. what i was there's definitely something to be said though since i use oh, yeah. like Plug-in versions of like M1 and, and yeah. like Wave Station now, and, and and like I mean they're really good for kind of basically sounds that sort of evoke the nineties a bit. Yeah, like weird like sort of breathy and like yes, and sort of yeah, exactly. Like there's like a lot of um, Shakuhachi sound or whatever. The... Yeah, yeah, but that's like that's I got really into those as well, and they're like that's kind of predates that. That's all like Emu Emacs yeah, sort of stuff. Like the role I really play. like that stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I did look into getting one of those, but it's quite a palaver because of like, I think it's to do with the disc loading. Like you actually for what what bit of kit? What we? Um, you know the kind of those like blue um, emu keyboard samplers. Do you know those things? They're kind of like I think they're called like Emacs. Oh, the, kind of, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're like yeah, the emulator, those, like uh, the, yeah, the emulator, and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course, like the Ferris Bueller's, like yeah, like, what. Like and that just era. to say, like, how did Ferris Bueller when his said parents didn't buy him a car, but they bought yeah. him an emulator too? Does he like, have one in the? Thing yeah, he's using yeah. an emulator too in 1985 so, when it would have been probably the equivalent of 15 box. grand or something. I was like, mm. how does that work? Anyway, but sorry. Um, yeah, no, but I love those. Um, a friend of mine had one of those, and it's they are great. Really, but, but it's just yeah. you can you can get like an SD card like insert for the drives now, where you can. It's I bought one for because I. I'm trying to. Cause I got a circle on sequencer, and I was like, I need. To, I actually need a hardware sampler to make music with this. Oh yeah. Because I don't want to use the computer at all. So okay. I, so then I bought, and it's called a HXC, and it's basically 
a generic floppy disk drive that you can dump into the, like the front of like an S nine fifty or or oh, a, wow. maybe an Emacs yeah. or something similar, okay. and then you can just st- stuff an SD card in. Oh, amazing! And it, and it stores discs. Yeah, because you know, I think that was like the bit that seemed the most intimidating about it. Because I was seeing like those emulators like hooked up with like some sometimes you see people using like old like those old like Mac computers yeah with them to uh to to like to actually put in the um to use for the disk drive or something yeah, yeah. and I was just like that like getting it's one cool. of those as well seems it, like a little bit of palaver. But I love the I think it's like a lot of those sounds just yeah, they just sort of evoke like nineties sort of music that I grew up with like yeah. L T J Bookham yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or Goldie, you know, like you hear a lot of those sort of um, it's Romy sounds, where yeah. it's like, but a lot of that's yeah. like JV 1080 as well. I got a JV 1080, mm. which was it's fun. Is that, for that worth checking out? For that Honestly, yeah. it really is, and it also just like they're actually really powerful synths. Like you know, yeah. they're like four part sort of wavetables, like decent ish kind of filters, which are you know they are what they are. But you can like I think that stuff's cool. Like, and I th- it's it's the equivalent of getting analog stuff in like the late 80s, where nobody yeah. wants it. It's not cool. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's quite I mean, a good time. In a way, to... I think it is cool, and like, and it's a good time yeah. to buy it. I got like JB ten eighty for a hundred quid. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely really open to to sort of old gear that I like. Like, it's in. I sort of feel like some studios. I feel like you, there's like you've got like a million um, mono synths yeah. that all make like a similar sound, yeah. saw wave sort of thing. Like, I prefer to have a kind of a mixture of different sound Colours. palettes. But I think, um, yeah, those sort of like. Yeah, absolutely. Those like '90s kind of workstationy ones, or, or the sort of '80s samplers, yeah. are really pretty cool. Have you um, gotten into FM synths as well? Has that been a um, sort of? I mean, I've um, I always find it like quite. I I, I really um, I love sort of lots of sound design, but I find FM quite like impenetrable. I mean, yeah. I, I understand the principle of it, but yeah. I also find it a bit like um, it's it's like the way you arrive at a sound is kind of a lot more abstract, oh, yeah, than, super abstract. than a subtractive synth. Or, um, so I haven't got into them as much. I, I liked what... I, I remember sort of seeing the video you were doing with uh, Akimi's Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that sort of combo of, like, analog filters and FM is really yeah. cool. And that's, like, something people don't... weirdly don't do that much, I guess, because they weren't... Because FM since never had, yeah, they never had um, filters really. But it sounds great because you kind of take off all the kind of really aggressive top of them. And, yeah, and just, the brashness. Yeah, the um, well, I suppose like the electron digitone, the digitony is going to like. That. What is that? Tell me about so that. So the digitone's like the little brother of, or like the sister of the digitact. So like you've got the digitact, which yeah. is like the sampler, and then the tone is basically like a. F- I think it's four operator. It's like a four operator. FM synth that's eight parts mm. multi-timbral and you've got like four little I think I might have this wrong because I've only played one briefly but it's like four four sort of lanes mm. and you can basically make a whole tune and because of the way that Electron sort of design their gear it's it's quite fast and immediate mm. like the stuff like when you're changing like when you mess around with FM stuff like the algorithm the yeah. structure and the levels are all kind of there and there's, there's yeah. the eight little knobs or however many it is so it's quite quick to just mm. kind of go and turn and make quite major changes and yeah. it's a nice new development with with FM in general, I think that that like you've actually got like hands-on FM because yes, that's exactly. never existed. Exactly. Before. So like like the Akimis or yeah. like 
Um, well, that and then, but the thing with this is because it's also strapped to like electron sequencer kind of engine. Mm. You've then got the ability to have like on step one, you've got a kick. On step two, it's a snare, and you can sort of then step one. I'm going to tune the kick to C, but on the yeah. next one, I'm going to tune it to D, and it's very fast to do that stuff. So mm. you can really quickly end up with these quite insane sort of organic sort of like gnarly sounding things that are all pure synthesis in in action mm. and you'd never like unless you were you know locked in a room for a million years you would never do that with like an f you know an F dx7 or something yeah no one has the patience or the yeah, interest yeah. to because to, you'd have to be sending it sysx to like force to it to these access those like yeah. the sort of those like nuts and bolts yeah. and gears and stuff yeah whereas electrons just let you just you just hold a step and you just turn the dial and and on that step, all those dial changes get affected. Yeah. And then the next step, they're reset to you know, where they were before. So yeah. it's, it's super quick. Um, what, what modules are you kind of excited about at the moment? I was, I was interested to ask you that. Uh, I've sort of, yeah, I'm trying to think. Like uh, The thing that I've got excited about is not a module, but is the Moog DFAM, uh, which is like, I've been sort of blabbing oh, yeah, about that. Yeah. But like... Which is it yeah. is a module um, because it is. It's just a module that's sold in its own case as yeah, well. It's like a sort of semi-modular. Exactly, yeah. and you you can pull it out and you can stick it in a in a rack. It is a yeah. rack module, but like that, a mother thing too. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and it's it's like a companion to that. But but for that being a kind of almost like the digitone, where you've got pure synthesis and you can smush together the oscillators in interesting ways and sequence them per step mm. in a weird way it is sort of it's obviously not an electron device it couldn't be further from it but it, it's that idea that yeah. on one step you could make the voice do something completely different mm. um, and if you just you should like if you go to a shop just ask for a pair of headphones and just spend like 10 minutes non-stop with that thing and yeah. there will be a point where you'll be like oh my fucking god like what is this, this is like because it it's got yeah. you know you've got fm of the oscillators right and you can have like the fm amount be controlled by a step sequencer yeah so a step sequencer so you end up with like interesting rhythmic sequences yeah 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 where it's like sort of doing a weird like kind of sort of sequence mm. but that, that does have a kind of musicality to it like it's tuned yeah and you can you can actually play the oscillators from the filter you can play it like a traditional voice yeah so it, it can also just do like a really nice moog like you know um donna summer mode baseline type mm. thing um, but it's also just gnarly as hell and on a big system mm. it can make some really wild sounds do you use that in your life thing then yeah well i have i've used it at some shows or a show that i played i like had it and yeah. towards the end of the show just faded into that right and just had a go it's like it's a tough one because it's it is quite an experimental device and it re obviously is not going to work if you're yeah. like, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine if you were playing like a sub focus show and then you were going yeah. to like defam hell, but you could yeah. totally, yeah. it could become a, I, it's I the mean, kind I've of thing you would embrace and you just be like, we're going to a, a sort of non mutant an atonal yeah. place here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an inharmonic thing, but, but it um, can do like very tuned things. But that to me was, I uh, just to say, it's like, it's a very, very original concept like mm. that cannot be done what it does cannot be done on a subtractive synth so it's a good one for like if anyone says like moog or sort of you know are they just you know re-releasing the same synths over and over it's yeah. like they're really not just doing that they're, yeah they're also making analog devices that have work in a way that analog devices have never worked mm. you know and that's 
they've, they've always just had a lot of like class to them. Mike. We, we were talking like off air about yeah, the, the the factory and like the, yeah. Right. I'm I'm really yeah. I really want to make that pilgrimage at some point. But I'm I'm so excited to see the new synth that you the were talking one. about as well. Yeah. Now that is, that's that's so amazing kind of, too, yeah. and it's um it's a funny one. That's like I spent. We did a show. Um, like over in East London and we had it on demo for like three yeah. days. And so you know, I'm showing it to people and it kind of, after doing that for like three days, I kind of came to this conclusion where I was like, the really weird thing about this synth is while it's a very professional device and it mm. carries a professional price tag because mm. it's, you know, it's an incredibly deep and complex synth that's taken them years mm. to develop that they make in Asheville, blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's also like one of the friendliest synths I've ever used. Like, mm. Like to make a modulation, you like touch the button on the LFO and you just touch the control you want it to go to. Okay. And as you touch the control, then that becomes how you apply it positively yeah. and negatively. So you literally grip the control and just kind of move the little like positive and negative slider and then just push OK. Right. And then Where's that, the positive and negative slider? So, it, so there's a little screen, yeah. but there's no slider. The control itself becomes the way. So just okay. see, I mean, you literally go, I want to, LFO2 and then I go cut off. Is that to determine like the extent of cut off? Exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're like, you just touch the cut off knob and as you turn the dial, suddenly the cut off knob becomes the applicator knob, basically. Mm. And you, yeah, you yeah. dial. So in just that one action, you've just gone, I've both applied this and I've said how much I want that to happen. Yeah. And you hit OK. Yeah. You can always go back and... So and, it becomes like, so it's quite intuitive to use. Yeah. Super intuitive. That's the yeah, sort of weird thing. I'm so thing. excited to try that. So it's yeah. like it's weird, like for a. I think that and like the OV six are like yeah. what kind of sense I'd really like to own at the yeah. moment. Um, like, yeah, I like the OB. It's like yeah, it sounds like um, the best description. Like. It sounds like driving through like Miami at <laughs> night in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I need I need to get that one. But um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think because I've kind of like. Um, I've I've been kind of not really buying many modules lately. I think the one I'm really excited to to potentially add to myself is like the the Strymon delay. Yeah, um, that's really nice. The the watching a flipper, angel yeah, echo thing where yeah. it's like shimmer and delay and like everything. yeah, it's that one looks really good. I think um, also the um, I was wondering actually do. Do uh, are Ventide bringing out any modules? So that's that. Well, they've got like do? Um, do they they've got modules? digital. They've got one Eurorack module, which is the oh, they've got DDL. delay on there. Yeah. yeah. So it's like um, which I've been trying as well. Like that's and that's an interesting one. It's like you've they got. They need to bring out a reverb. That'd be that would be amazing. like I would love for like black hole or shimmer and mm. you know or like like a space in a Eurorack yeah, module yeah. would be amazing just mm. to have like those. And especially those algorithms under like CV control, like yeah, there is um like Northern Light modular. I think get that right. Northern Light, he makes a um, a module which is basically a sort of Eurorack bridge for the H nine. Ah, yeah. So yeah. that you can and it allows you, but so it, you it can gives sort you of like 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 put a sort of pedal into your modulus. Yeah, yeah. So like, well, but it's specifically it's the the MIDI. So it means that you go from the Eurorack module to your H9, which is like the multi-effect, via a MIDI cable. Oh, right. And okay. then what it's letting you do is you've got dials on the module itself, and you can turn the dials, and then, because the H9 doesn't have physical controls, it gives yeah. you them. Oh, so it opens up the, that. And yeah. then it also has CV inputs. So you can mm. then CV, so you're going CV to MIDI to your pedal. It's like really, like it's one of those wonderful sort of like crossover products that's yeah. that allows these sort of worlds that never normally interact to mm. kind of because you can send CV to like a pedal. Like if you, I think if you send CV to an expression pedal, 
You can yeah. probably also brake your pedal, but you can also no, I think some stuff. of them are, are CVable, aren't they? Yeah. Like the Moga Focus or... Definitely, um, like they are. Yeah. I mean, they're basically like yeah. modules in a, in yeah. a box. Yeah, sort of self-contained modules. Um, I love the uh, Morphogene as well, which yeah. I've got like, relatively... Well, actually, I've probably had that for... That for a, while. a year or something, but yeah, I, I remember seeing like your video where you were doing it like on piano, family's piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was so good. Yeah, um, sounds like really dirty and stuff. Yeah, of I love just putting like um, sort of random like arpeggios in it, or yeah, yeah. or like real sounds into it, and then like uh, manipulating the the grains and yeah. And sort of, it's a, like, did you find because I, it's, I like, it's something that's like a lot nicer to play with in hardware kind of thing, as, yeah. in, as in like. I've got yeah granular plugins, but it's just really fun to like scrub through the grains of a sample like manually. It's yeah. just amazing. I found it was like initially I was I think I was trying to use it like a sort of delay, and mm. kind of didn't I didn't get it. I found it really I actually found it quite frustrating. And then it, yeah. what I had to do is like weirdly sort of like think about the fact that I was approaching it in the wrong way, and I needed to embrace what the designer had intended for the thing, mm. which is, in my mind, like I feel like that thing is almost, it is like a tape studio, mm. and you've almost got to make a track on just that. Mm. I found a way, though, maybe you've, uh, if you found a way to kind of yeah. make it for, do you know what I mean? No, it's, I know you what you mean in that, like, the the um, the rhythms that you get are very, like, unruly, aren't they? Yeah. So, uh, but I would tend to sort of use it to... Yeah, I'd just put put sort of maybe make an arpeggio in, let's say put rings through shimmer into that, and yeah. then um, through on the dead DSP, put it into Morphogene and sample it, and then um, kind of create these like pads out of it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the type of thing I do that quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. It's kind of like almost what I was expecting clouds to be, and clouds is more like almost like more you create like more smooth sounds from clouds yeah. but the um the morphogene is like really um because it's got all that kind of extra top end it's like you get this really like crunchy textural sort mm. of sounds out there, yeah clouds like. is sort of like or it's always a little bit cassetti mm. like the best quality on clouds is something like isn't it like 33 kilohertz or yeah it's weird it's like not i'd love it to be slightly yeah the, 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 it to be slightly higher because i think you get a lot of um, nice top end in when you yeah. use granular synthesis, it becomes all like fizzy, yeah, kind of crunchy like and interesting. Um, but um, it, but yeah, big fan of mutable instruments yeah. stuff uh, in general. Like, it's, like yeah, it's super nice. You know, their approach is just so yeah, so well thought out. Yeah, they're, they're probably the people I've got most of in in my case. Yeah, also Intelligel, I really like um, same. LM as well, like the Panda's new workout. I think yeah, good. Matthew is like, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he's funny the, as well. Yeah, there's like, it'd be interesting to meet all these people. I never really go to any of the, the kind of like shows, shows, but I should check them out. What's Definitely. a good one to go to? Um, Super Booth. Okay, that's the, the one, in, the one um, in Berlin. Berlin, yeah. Like, like if you've got any excuse to go to Berlin at that time, like just, mm. just when is that? What time you? It is May, I think. Yeah. I should know that, but like Mayish. Do um, you do? Do you always go to Nam? Yeah. That like because it's because it's in January. Yeah. I always like forget that it's on, and then it's suddenly January, and it's like, do you know it's what I mean? Because it's that time of year. You, I just never organise doing yeah. it, but it's it Nam's sounds like, like a really Nam's fun a funny one. one. It's so. The thing with Nam is like depends what your interests are. Like if you play, mm. you know, if you did play the guitar and you were into, you know, 
mics and other, you know yeah. all aspects of recording there'd be more to kind of explore and, and nam is really a trade show it's yeah. kind of it's not really for the public right but obviously artists do you know you yeah. literally get stevie wonder like you can tell where stevie wonder is because there's just like an enormous crowd of people that's just <laughs> starting to move like stevie's in the yeah. center of that papping, him, papping him like yeah poor dude um you know, but it, it is amazing, and so you, and it's it's the sort of America is kind of fun, and it's mm. you know, but it is a weird place. It's in like Anaheim, which is basically Disneyland. Mm. So it's very strange. In what state is that? So it's in California, yeah, but in like Los Angeles, but like right. you know, obviously Los Angeles being a sprawling, but it's a, a piece of Los Angeles. It's yeah. like it's literally Disneyland, yeah. like where Disneyland in California is, yeah. is Anaheim, right, and so. The, the convention center is like you, you literally see like you know cars land you know disneyland yeah. cars and we, right. whenever we go we're always like someday we're gonna go to disneyland we're actually gonna just do it <laughs> never do i like, always regret but like yeah so super beast the one basically because nam is like what well, you know it's it is the, one of the most extraordinary places to like people watch i find just yeah. because it's just sort of seeing, like, American businessmen, like, going about with a guy, you know, and it's yeah, just yeah. the personalities and just yeah. there's something... I'm, I've, I've always been, like, fascinated by America in a sort of weird way, like, mm. just the sort of... I don't know. I, like, watched a lot of American movies when I was a kid and, and I just sort of... I find, I find it very alien as a place. Right. Do you know what I mean? In the sense, like, it's all sort of, you know... You know, they've got roads, they've got street signs. This sounds really weird, but like, <laughs> but it's always like a slightly weird version of it compared to like back home. It's that yeah, way. It's yeah. almost well, it's like a parallel version of, of the UK. That's what it? I but mean, yeah. Different. And it's so, the I culture is so it, like, I think because it does, when, especially when you're in LA, it does feel kind of slightly surreal because it's in a lot of films. You exactly. Kind of yeah. feel a little bit like you're in a set or something yeah. sometimes. So, um, yeah, I know what you mean in that sense. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's, and there's obviously cultural differences, like kind of being, like, being sort of self-depreciating is, seems quite un-American. Yeah, like, totally. If you're very modest in America, it seems like people almost like you're a bit weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, totally. It's much more socially acceptable to be more forthright about your achievements, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, no. Which we would consider un- sort of bragging in a way. It's like, oh, yeah, mate, like, it's like a bit. If you're English, opposite. it's a bit like full on. Sort of yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I was like really sort of enjoy going out there um, on tour and stuff. I, I was mean to like spend a bit more time in there. Like LA seems like a fun place to like, go and record and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's some amazing rooms and like. Yeah. What is your like? What does touring look like? That's what I was wanting to ask you about the kind of oh, yeah. like at this kind of level where you're sort of. Yeah. You're playing like these massive shows, yeah, and it's like both what two fronts was like playing live and like what you do and how you yeah. like how you how have you do, like found a way of doing it? Yeah, so you've got like a that yeah. amazing sort of rig, like the lights and the yeah. it's like this like massive amount of production value, obviously that's going yeah. into these shows. Yeah, and, like I don't know how you feel about it. what you what do you give yourself to do? How has that developed? Um, it's definitely quite tricky to get the balance right. I wanted to do. Um, with the live shows, I wanted to do something that was like similar to. Um, I basically didn't want to use like a live band in any way because yeah. I was like, I liked seeing Chemical Brothers play or I liked seeing yeah. Daft Punk play. Um, you, when did I you think, see Daft Punk play? Um, that's a good question, actually. I don't, you know what? I don't think I've ever actually seen them in the flesh. Oh, yeah. but I've just like, seen, seen the shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. Videos. I mean, I remember seeing like. Um, 
Chemical Brothers at like Glastonbury in sort of mid noughties sort of mm. time. I think it was like two thousand six. Yeah. Um, I really like that kind of balance, um, and I actually like on the shows that I've been doing. I've worked with the same uh, live engineer, nice, yeah. which was interesting because I sort of you know got a, a sort of feel for how they go about it. Um, it's tricky to, it's really difficult to um, figure figure out how best to do it. I think you know with mine, there's a lot of um, track you know being played back as well as the um the stuff I'm doing and I guess I just pick parts on on all the songs to to play and sometimes multiple parts so there'll be like sections um where I set up to really do like a kind of jam mm. um situation so like especially on some of the house stuff um it seems to work really well so I'd have like things like drum step sequences I was using um iPads to do that up until recently um, but I moved to using um, those like mono um, yeah. uh, things. So I've I've got like one of those and one of their they do like a sort of um, these like rotary encoders as well. Yeah, so I've set that up. Yeah, yeah, I set that up with like um, to sort of um, yeah to, to for drum steps you can sing and also melodic stuff as well. So, so how do you use the arc? Like, or are you just what? what so basically, do you use? I'm kind of like making macros within Ableton. Um, so and I, I think actually like the, the modular stuff kind of inspired like some of the ways I'd do it. So um some of the melodic ones I'd I'd um you know, it's just like a button grid. So I'd have that quantized to the to the pitch of the song and then I'd have like one of the um rotary encoders would be like um going through would be like scaling that so I could sort of make a sequ- make a melodic sequence and then pitch it up and down, no, but no, it will be quantized. So it's so like like interesting. Octave up and downing it. Yeah, but I think it's, I'm not sure if it was octaving it rather than just like... Oh, semitones. So semitones, yeah, but right. it's because it's going through a quantizer, it's kind of all like, sounds good. Um, and then, um, you know, I'd have one maybe on filter cutoff or something, um, one on a delay maybe, and just, um, I mean, it kind of makes performing those sequences really like as in it's very controlled like they're, yeah. they're very like they kind of work you're not going to um, make a mistake where it's just like no like, like yeah. flat in front yeah of, like, I, I do people. I have like keyboards on, on when I do it as well so there are like there is a bit more room for area there like we'll be sort of play like solo bits or just trigger um, I sort of make I've got like a few um, just like plugins that I've set up with um, sort of like flexible effect sounds so kind of like almost like those um are they called mono tribes you know those little uh cork things mm, you know just bulkers. like yeah, yeah. But, but the you know the really small ones i've got one yeah, lying around here somewhere monotron and like yeah yeah it's like a monotron stuff. so that those type of effects like sirens and things like that i'll, I'll set up on on uh keyboards or think like ring mod sort of sound effects yeah. so i use those for like do you mean spot effects so you can do like like that well um, well more like they're just like like a synth patch that has like various like sort of um macros on it so i can um i i'd use that more for like sections where um it's sort of things are getting very chaotic so i might yeah. add an effect sound that's sort of morphing via the mod wheel and yeah, stuff yeah. um over a, another sequence but it is it is tricky to kind of get the right level of of live i think especially with the sort of the sub focused live shows i've been doing like i have to sort of um 
you know, I have to like play back all the tracks that I've been doing. I, I really like the idea of doing something that's like much more improvised, yeah. that's kind of modular based. But I think that almost has to be its own project. Yeah, I entirely. totally see that. There is what I've been saying, all these things where it's like, because yeah. it's that idea of like, where it's difficult one like it's this it's this thing of like how do you develop a live show where you've got to like ultimately you have a role so you've a responsibility Mm. you've sold tickets people need to hear those tunes that you've made they want that's why they're coming to hear it yeah and it's sort of in a way you can sort of there's a danger of of being like too needy but then it's not sort of i find that a bit sad that we're saying that because then Mm. if these artists love your music or if these the audience members love your music why would they not be happy to see you but then that's it's not always the thing where it's like just play the hits like fucking yeah yeah oh here's a new tune like oh great like that's exactly (laughs) well what i like about dance music is it's not i I know what you mean about that there's always that thing about bands and being like you know they're like playing a big show and they're like oh we're gonna play something from the new album and it's like grown kind of thing but i think with dance dance music there was like especially sort of drum and bass there's a real like dub plate culture of like people really liking to hear stuff that's not out yet and yeah. unreleased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of nice that. But yeah, it's difficult to get the right level of kind of noodliness, I guess, with with a with an electronic live show. I think you want moments where things go a bit crazy and like yeah. the music feels like it's falling apart and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that's yeah. like um but uh and, and you want that that sort of freedom to to experiment. But I think you also need to kind of put it back to sections where you can have going to be it's going to sound very tight and recognizable because it's that it's that thing of selling a you know the responsibility you've sold the ticket i mean i don't know mm. what your tickets cost but like it's that thing of the people paying money yeah you've, you've got, got to you give them a good like experience a good show. and it's that I risk think sometimes of, like it's i mean sometimes like with live stuff that i find the simplest things have the most impact you know like putting a vocal of one song over the, the track of another and yeah. just sort of that type of thing is like it's not very interesting from a like technical point of view, but it's like it it's something an audience member can really recognise what yeah, happened. Like. Yeah, so I think it's good to sort of. That's quite the sort um, of. I just try and listen to a lot of different live shows that I like, and 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 sort yeah. of come up with like a the most sort of effective combo of those things. But I, I do really like, um, like I'm saying, like I was saying, like live improv, and I think mm. that's a super interesting area. I think, like what modulars do is very um is is very well suited to that it's just about trying to sort of find the ideal setup to do yeah. that on and i kind you've of almost got to like you kind of have to build a setup to make a certain type of sound and yeah and almost how, how do you do mixing on your setup that's one thing that like well i haven't quite found my ideal mixer in modular world the, yet. well that's actually only very relatively recently but that's the bifaco hex mix I don't know if you oh saw yeah that. so it's 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 within the the case yeah it is i used to use like i had a mackie cr i got yeah. it's like i'm such a dick here. but i like i got the mackie cr1202 because it was what daft punk used when they did the homework tour in 1997 oh, so amazing. i was like so, i want that exact mixer because i yeah. needed a small notepad mixer and they're quite cheap but so I was using that Mackie mixer, which is fine, and you mm. can actually just put modular stuff. It surprised me. Like you can put modular stuff straight into like uh, certainly the old twelve oh two, which was like the Made in America ones before. Mm. All made, you know, they're slightly different models now, like the VLZ threes. But you can just put modular in. Even the sends and returns worked from like Echophone, and oh, I was yeah. able to just just yeah. talk to modular in a way that surprised me. Like yeah, but anyway, Did you have like tons of. Um 
mini jack to jack adapters. Yeah, I had to like just clean out hoser, like you know, just literally like the three and a half mil to six point three fives. You get yeah. loads of those, and then the ones yeah. that don't work, you like curse you. But um, but I was using that. But then obviously, if you play a show, you've got to make. You've literally got to plug all eight channels, and you've got to do mm. your sedans, and you've got to get your stereo return. So you've got you're making all these connections before you're playing, and if and it, you know, yeah. it may be different. I don't know how you like if you played in festival setups, like you will almost certainly have to streamline. Or if you've got production mm. assistance, then obviously people can do this for you. But yeah. but when you're doing it by yourself, you're like, I've got to build my rig on stage, and okay. I've only got ten minutes till I'm on. And I certainly I oh, almost don't even pressure. get a line check. You yeah, know, yeah. So you get nothing checks that's a lot of stress and also i mean i think improvising a set as well is a lot of stress yeah um it's funny i've had like people like i, I quite often like meet up with friends and like have modular jams like, i've yeah. got other friends with setups and stuff and i really enjoy that and sometimes you just get on like a really killer run of form yeah and you're yeah, literally, yeah, yeah you're like fuck, i've fuck, made like, like this three ideas be. in the last 20 minutes that yeah. are all pretty sick yeah and, like it's like feels like you're almost playing a set yeah, and then other times it really doesn't flow, and it's like you have to kind of almost like take a while to get into it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, would, that's a huge amount of pressure to put yourself under. Well, to do, to yeah, you, no, you're, you're totally right. I would say that like, and I can't speak for myself because I don't think I'm there yet. But I can say what other artists who do do this, like Stevio, for example, mm. where he's like the solution is practice like yeah and, and you, obviously you build a system and you spend a lot of time developing it and fine tuning it, but ultimately. It, if you really know your system, then you mm. you're you are so at one with that device yeah. that you'll always stay within that corridor of goodness. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'll always sure. and you can if you stray out, you'll know ways to get back into the do, corridor. Do you have um, cues on that? Befaco so uh, well, and so yeah, we're saying with that Mackie, I got rid of it and I got this Befaco, and well, I actually still got the Mackie. It has cues, yeah, yeah, but I don't. I actually don't use them. Yeah, I mean cues. I would say. Because what I'm per speaking personally, what I'm doing is just improvising the entire show. Mm. You almost have to just embrace the like what's happening, and when you fade something up, yeah. you don't know what's quite what's going to get faded yeah, up. Yeah. You just have to kind of go. Well, and you worried about things like being out of tune and exactly. Stuff. And, and what I was, was always going to say is like, although I have not done this in a show, like the cue would be totally useful for like rings. Yeah, if you were like, I want to just yeah, get yeah. a new, go to a new mode in rings. You would be yeah. able to just check the the tuning and like like yeah, get it yeah. right. So that you I think like what I I I when I was doing um, the most recent live sets that I did were with like a little modular setup um, as part of it, and I was gravitating towards braids a lot because yeah. it's like repeatable. And, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's more tunable. Basically. Yeah, it's got Platts like is amazing as well. If you, like yeah, I have had a little play with that. I haven't. Um, I haven't uh, got myself one just yet, but I'm I'm very tempted on this. It's like because that does drums and it's like, yeah, and also the talking about Richard Devine before like when mm. I, I was I got to beta test like Platts marbles and stages and I had all three of them in oh, a yeah. case. Yeah, and marbles it was, it looks really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I was like because I, these were not released, I was like I've got to put these in a case that I can hide so that I don't accidentally put it in a video. <laughs> oh, really? I mean? yeah. So it forced me to put them next to each other, yeah. and then. It, that was a really interesting thing, like using the meta mode on plats, mm. and there is a meta mode on braids, but you know you have to go into like the menu and oh yeah, so no, I've, I've played it, yeah, yeah. I, never, I honestly never used it. I didn't even, I didn't even try it once. Like it's mm. the height of laziness, but because there's the dedicated input on plats, like I was mm. using it all the time, and I was like, yeah. this is really inspiring. Randomizing the sounds, yeah. and it's just that 
it being great for the fact that it, it takes what's good about braids and just simplifies it and just mm. makes it available to you in a way that's yeah. less menu-y and more immediate and more analog feeling even though it's not yeah analog. i think like the best thing about you know getting into modulo is being like it's really opened up my eyes to like sort of concepts that don't really fully like they're concepts you wouldn't really come across necessarily in a daw straight away like yeah. the idea of randomizing per note or yeah, like yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, a lot of random stuff. I think, um, are you using, like, um, you know, stepped um, random oscillators, that kind of thing, to, to control other parameters? It's made me get really into, like, the new... Like, the, the new Ableton has a few things, like, um, you know, like the uh, LFO device, for example. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of... You can basically... Um, use... Um, generate LFOs within... Um, these native Ableton plugins yeah, and patch yeah. into other things, yeah. which which makes it way it. more modular-like yeah, yeah. because you can sort of yeah you can access you know can sort of LFO things that you could never do before that yeah. type of thing like being able to um, like LFO granular like the playhead of a granular like the sampler mm, or whatever it's what's yeah, it called? granulator, granulator really is, that's a really nice I love one. that plugin it yeah what, max object yeah there it is the, yeah. Um, yeah it's nice the way they've like incorporated Max more into Ableton because yeah. it's kind of like it makes it basically like a sort of open-ended environment for people that wanted to. Yeah, to like you can it. start to get those kinds of like randomness because you're right. Mm. It's like no one's, you know, DAWs have been developed, for, you know, to work in much the same way as they've worked since they were on the Atari, you know, the ST mm. and probably like, well, maybe not like on the Acorn when it's like, just yeah, like no, script sheet music, <laughs> drum and bass sheet Acorn music. Acorn was a big, yeah, from that to PC was a big jump. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of like, yeah, piano roll. They, exactly, but they're made that. in a prescriptive yeah. way. They're like, they say, well, this is how music is made. Yeah. And so, and it, it, it's but that's what's one, nice about like, the way. new gen of, of sequences. I mean, Ableton's been around for probably ages now, but like, it does feel like they're a lot more. I, I moved from Cubase to Ableton a few years ago. Yeah. And, it was refreshing because there was like pages of parameters on Cubase that you'd never use because they're kind of like residual features. And I think yeah. it's inevitable when like a software package is older, it just kind of, you can't like delete those old features because people might be using them. Yeah, I, I love bloated. the way Ableton is like, yeah, it's sort of, isn't they call it like bloatware or something? Bloatware, yeah. yeah it's just like, like, yeah, um, it's all this legacy code that's like, mm sort of strapped onto the side and I'm sure all the like designers want to do is just throw it all out and start yeah. from scratch and I think that's the Ableton's been good like that in that they've kind of made sure that they've kept it quite like stripped yeah it's true the whole way along um, and they've never allowed you to like they've never messed with the fundamental blocks so that mm. in order to make it more modular or something they found a way of doing that with Max so like mm. that you can randomise things yeah and it's maybe not as Immediate as certainly not as immediate as a Euro accent where you can just do something, but mm. you're right. It, but it's I think oh, I do like Ableton for it's like using it like an instrument and allowing it to do. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's it. pretty like intuitive, but um, but yeah, no, like I was saying, like the the modular sort of side of things really does open your eyes to like different, basically kind of methods of producing music, yeah. and I love the sort of generative aspect, like we're talking about, yeah, with, you know, creating random melodies or rhythms or. And just sort of letting it do its thing, kind of. It's almost like you kind of set the parameters of the piece of music that you're making, yeah. and then you're like, and then let the it play. Does yeah, else. It's it, yeah, and it's analogous to like writing a script or a, like a sheet music, and kind of like mm. apparently with like old Bark, like old Bark, old, old fella, but like <laughs> with Bark, yeah. apparently he didn't. 
I don't know very little about Bach, but he didn't actually say he didn't really add any annotations to his like music. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's never been said that it was meant for a piano or a organ or a particular okay. instrument. So it's more interpretable. It's, so it's totally interpretable. Yeah. Like you don't even know what instrument it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, yeah, I think like um, um, I went on a another podcast recently with. Um, uh, Rob Swire from and uh, Gareth from Knife Party, yeah, and um, he particularly Rob's like super technical, and he was talking about like the um, like generative sort of music software that you can get, and like you know how he was um, he was sort of like had came up with this example of like he, he put loads of music into this AI piece of software, and then it was kind of spitting out all this like music. But I think people have done like taken those old classical composers and kind of looked at their the traits of their composition and kind of created like almost like an algorithm that creates oh, like wow. a piece or it makes kind of bar- it's kind bark, of amazing like- idea although it's kind of also pretty scary because like you could just replace all musicians with like yeah code with an algorithm I'm sure that kind of will happen although like it might be I think it's the sort of thing that it will be a bit like analog versus digital like yeah it'd be feel a bit impersonal listening to like robot music people well, would be like, like I prefer the old stuff yeah yeah which was all done manually human. like yeah. yeah you're right like the um, it's the the machine learning algorithms where they like train it to like a you know train an algorithm on pictures of cats and then yeah. you feed it an image and it catifies the, the image and it's like yeah. it's that sort of and there's I need that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the new album reading. cover, like yeah, yeah. the um, the other one's that Prisma app. Do you ever try that on your phone? Like, which is the one that like makes your photos look like paintings? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like machine learning led, where right. it's, it they've injected like a Liechtenstein painting, and then it, oh, it right, has a okay. go at Liechtensteining your, That's and mad. it's not perfect, but. Yeah. There's one where it's put in like Hokusai, you know, which is like like the Japanese painter with like the wave, you know, the great yeah, wave. Kind the of sort color. of super 2D looking yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And then like, for example, I, I put in a photo of like my nephew, like in the sea. Yeah. And like, and it had like little wavelets, like, you know, coming off it, like it, because yeah. it was there. And it was just incredible. It sort of recognized it. As yeah. The and it was like, that's like, it's done an amazing job. Like that's yeah. a beautiful image, like objectively. And, yeah. and it was done by a computer. Like yeah. I actually, was the first time I thought like these people who say oh painters will be out of a job you know you kind of think that's bollocks but actually yeah like, it was the first time I think I was, it'll like, probably be like a new genre of like if they become really amazing they'll be like yeah. the algorithms will kind of be like almost like famous in their own yeah, right. yeah. Like, there'll be a kind of famous painting algorithm they did see there was a like, painting that was sold like recently that that right. was the first sort of sold for like a huge amount of money yeah and it was and it was an algorithm that had created the image and then there was a yeah. dude who who basically had open sourced his own machine learning algorithm and yeah. it was he was basically saying that's actually my algorithm that they use to make the painting oh. and they've sold it for like a million quid so and did I, he profit from that no he didn't get a penny oh shit so it's like yeah if you that's open source your algorithm and then some enterprising yeah. dick uses it to like make a yeah, painting yeah. Like, well you're out of the open source thing is cool I mean like all the mutable stuff is open it source is, yeah, yeah. but it is kind of crazy because it's like your valuable IP that you're yeah. sharing with people but that's you know talking talking to, to Mutable and you know it's that you know, saying how I do, I make enough money. I make enough money. Yeah. I, I don't need to. I don't need. I, you know. I, there's a limit to what you know. I'm happy to receive, and I I'm very happy with what That's, I get. Yeah, that is nice. And I guess like it's not. Um, I don't know. I guess like 
maybe it's because it's a fairly niche world that it's like having it open doesn't mean you know imagine someone was making like you know millions and millions off the back of his ip yeah you, you would feel aggrieved wouldn't you like i, I think yeah i mean like i i don't know if you him like I, I think maybe because it's a smaller industry it's like you're not those and it's complicated to make a module yeah. you know like it's not like people are going to be ripping off the modules left right and center no, i mean know, people like, have shrunk like mutable modules like you get those like right. micros and then yeah. and then people have got like micro industries of micro modules and, yeah and then did you see that there was the uh, grayscale have done uh, supercell which i thought was the coolest thing i was like i haven't and seen it's, that. that's an upscaled version of a mutable module where it's oh, clouds right. but it with bigger. like bigger and with <laughs> more modulation and control nice. I was like that's amazing like yeah, that's pretty not making it smaller but enhancing the idea you know I was yeah, like that's yeah. actually amazingly cool yeah that is a cool idea um, yeah um, have you ever thought about oh, we kind of touched on this but have you ever thought about like making a module or anything like that yeah like actually I have and then but like I say with my like switcher oh, there yeah. is one other yeah. idea for a module which I've had yeah. and a friend of mine is actually making that module oh, right. and I don't like, want to talk based... about it because it's no, not no, fair yeah, and it's yeah. like but it's it's, yeah. it's 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 something that's so blindingly obvious when you've that's like, going to be useful yeah I, I I strongly believe that anyone who makes like mm. what you're doing like making tracks mm. it's like a really useful device for that um, okay yeah um, so well, that sounds see. mysterious but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that sounds great but like. yeah yeah there's, there's, there's obviously like but I think yeah. I think what's exciting about modular is not is not kind of coming up with a novel idea for a module what's what's much more exciting is coming up with a novel application for it combinations yeah. of existing modules and oh, yeah. I think that's the real strength yeah and I think I mean it is amazing because the yeah if you sort of like look at the maths of it there's like infinite like combinations of, of course things, so. and I mean the module I have an idea for yeah can be made right now on your modular like we oh, would right, be okay. able to do what that does yeah, like do via combinations exactly and yeah. but that's the that's what I mean about it being you know mm. when you were talking about we were talking about making a live system and how you know it's hard and obviously it's complex but yeah. but there's the potential there to make something that works in as, as simple a way as you want like you could mm. have a modular where you've got just one single dial and as you turn the dial it goes through different tracks you know yeah. if you had enough modules and yeah, you had yeah. enough time yeah. you could make something that would just uh, yeah. I, I turned to Colin Benders and he was talking about having the idea yeah. of like macro controls yeah, yeah. using I now can't that, I mean yeah I, I I remember asking people like is what would you use how would you make a macro in modular yeah and I guess like I've got shades and you can kind of I kind of use that in that way in a way like as in you can sort of route multiple things to it to yeah. use it as like a sort of scalar kind of thing yeah um, so I guess that's sort of the equivalent but yeah things like that would be great um, I remember chatting to a friend of mine about like an idea for like simplifying a whole live show to just one knob yeah. so you'd be like like kind of like it would just be like small to big you know like kind yeah. of like that's the, that um, the, the sort of the big would be like all the filters fully open you know like that's reverb that, the, up the Dada Life like plug in isn't it not oh, the yeah. fashion ever what's the, the hands <laughs> in the air one, one they? yeah they've done one yeah. that's basically the riser oh, yeah. and it's like you turn it and it's yeah. like and it's like yeah and it's like big reverbs come in and, oh, like, sick. Oh, and it's I'm like really I think there's probably a horn that comes in I mean in it sounds kind of like unsophisticated but like to set that up would be insanely complicated. Yeah, yeah. And like, I just mean like it would just be funny to do a show where you're like, 
<laughs> I mean, maybe it's kind of uh, not really a serious idea, but like if you had everything assigned to, to one thing, yeah, as like one huge more. macro, yeah. I have thought about, yeah, more controls, less and more, yeah. less and more. absolutely, why not? Yeah. And then just have like a big crossfader to like yeah. move through the whole set. That is, yeah, I mean, definitely like that's another fun thing about module is just like the silly controls. Like me and my mate were chatting about like. It'd be great to have a module with sports mode on it. <laughs> you know, like you have a like car. Slow fast. And it just goes a bit like... Yeah, sport mode. Yeah, just like adds a little bit more. It just adds a bit more, more grunt. Yeah, it just yeah. goes a bit nuts kind of thing. That would be there is a fun. module called the sport modulator, but yeah, it does not have a sport mode. Yeah, slow and fast. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, So with yeah. your like... How is your kind of... To think about more about music making in general, yeah. like how is your kind of... Like how has your sort of relationship with this like changed yeah. over the years? Because it's, it's yeah. like, a bit, but I guess what I mean is a bit about the whole becoming successful with this, mm. like being quite, like yeah. the the pressure of that, and like, yeah. you know, the sort of need to deliver and to like, yeah. like, like it's the horrible stuff of like delivering a commercial product and stuff. Yeah, it must yeah, be a yeah, factor. yeah, yeah. I definitely think your like relationship with it does change a lot. I think I remember like when I first got some tracks signed, like the next sort of tracks that I made were just all like not really I just couldn't really you have moments where you kind of have like little creative blocks and I think that was definitely one of them when there was yeah. suddenly like more pressure on it and it was like now this is kind of my job and um, I think it is difficult I think it's basically just important to have like good people around you like giving you feedback and yeah, that kind yeah. of thing and making you like excited about the music you're making and stuff um, and it it is tricky to kind of um yeah, I guess like keep like having ideas you're excited yeah. about, and I think there are always going to be like ups and downs in terms of like some months you just make like five songs that you're really excited about, and then yeah. some like then there might be three months that you don't you chuck away everything. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of like binning of stuff um, That's like, I th that I think people maybe don't. You know, if you were, didn't do any music at all, you might not realise that like. I'd probably like been like eighty percent of the ideas I saw, or maybe not that much, but like no, I know, a large percentage of things. Because no one, it's that they, like, no one sits down to go, "I'm going to write my masterpiece today." Because mm. that's not how, that's yeah. not how music works. You kind of yeah, have to it's just quite do hit it and miss, and then like lots of ideas will be quite good, but like maybe not like super exciting. Um, I basically do a lot of like I'll make um, tracks and then test them in my DJ sets, yeah. which is a really nice like way of sort of truly knowing whether people like something because there's no like fanfare of like um you know this is my new single yeah and there's no like, like fakeness you. of whether people's response because they're just hearing it in, like, and they have no idea that it's a new tune just, of yours yeah like so you really yeah. do see like some tunes really work and some tunes really don't and that's, it's a nice like organic way of getting how have, like what feedback. sort of things do you learn from that like that's that seems amazing um a lot of the time it's more like quite basic sort of things like mix down things tweaks like yeah. this song isn't bright enough or yeah. like that sound that bass sounds not really cutting through or the bass is too quiet bass is too loud you know like you're kind of making like a lot of mental notes about mix down things um, but also like structural things and like sometimes sections will be too long and boring or yeah. or you or things will feel a bit abrupt because nightclubs are quite like everything's really hectic you know the lights are on and like sometimes you want the kind of elements to have the right space to sort yeah, of yeah. not take people too much by surprise and just make sense I yeah guess. that's worth talking to, to 
div kid about that there, like, yeah. the modular dude, and talking about how... Yeah, yeah, I've, I've followed a lot of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, good. and it's yeah. we were having a conversation about exactly this, where it's like how you structure a tune so that you're just, just not being too abrupt and not being too long. I find, mm. that, I find that really difficult. Mm. He was actually saying his idea, which I thought was genius, was like, you know, you could... Um, you could set your tune up so it can be performed like dub mixed live. Yeah. But then what you should do is like play two tunes into your tune. So play two pieces of other people's music. Oh yeah. And then almost as a DJ set, fade into your tune, but oh, yeah. record it in that moment so that yeah. you, you were kind of. Oh, I see. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like so it's sort of like you're like designing in context. it in the, in context. The I moment. thought I was yeah. like, I mean, well, I would probably never have to like you know never make the effort to do that. Yeah. But it's that idea of like there's, there's remaining of, like, mindful, like. Yeah. Yeah. of where it fits into a wider context of yeah, how it will how be played. used kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's a mixture though because some, sometimes um, like like there's songs that I make sometimes you kind of want them to work in a sort of radio way in, in that like you know it's going to be hopefully like you want the structure to be like succinct enough to work if someone played it on a dance special yeah. show or something. Yeah. Um, but you also want it to be sort of like work in a club way. I think the type of like drum and bass is quite the structures have gone quite short now so it's it doesn't you don't necessarily need to do two wildly different versions for those two mediums um but the um it's certainly yeah the, there's much more of a like I, I like listening to a lot of house and techno and that's much more like the structures are much more kind of teasing and yeah you know, like long and and um there's a lot more room there for kind of um yeah, for for sort of doing those the longer structures. Um, there are a few like interesting like, like a few like old drum and bass tunes which were made like via sort of in a uh, in a dub mix scenario, yeah, yeah. which is really weird. Like from a sort of from a DAW background, you think like they must all be arranged. But there's a track um, called Shadow Boxing, which right. is like a classic um, old drum and bass track by, by um, Doc Scott, and it's all it's about three or four sounds in the whole tune. And he, apparently, he just like sat there. Just fading things in and out. It's really cool. Um, There is a certain amount of pressure to write like enough material to to release over time. Mm. It's harder to. There's a few tricky things. I think like touring and making music is difficult because you're like you kind of always feel like I'd you know be nice to be in the studio. So I started working on a laptop a lot. So I basically have a laptop that I plug into a screen in the studio and then I take it with me. So it means that all my projects are kind of always um, accessible. Um, and then um, yeah but there is always that time of feeling like it's just never enough hours in the day to like finish the yeah, yeah. the music you want to do and, and, and um, yeah also doing like longer projects I think that's like seems to be that's kind of becoming harder and harder I think because I think there's a big demand in the sort of industry for like constant volume of singles because of um, kind of like the lifespan of a track is shorter because it's available immediately on Spotify, that kind of thing. Mm. So um, the people have gone from releasing, you know, one or two singles a year to releasing like them quarterly or even more regularly than that. So it's there's like that makes it difficult to also like build up tracks for an album, yeah, or, yeah. Like, store things away. But um, I think there's like I'm quite interested as to, like the kind of the it feels like people are playing with the formats of releasing music more now. So like. You know, like Kanye releasing like seven albums this year or something like which are all like six tracks long. I yeah. like that kind of like smaller, smaller album often. format. Oh, just smaller, Cause, smaller. Because yeah. it's like because because 
I like the sort of statement of an album and how you can be a bit more conceptual and stuff. Um, but then making you know twenty track album or fifteen track album is a um, takes an incredibly long time and you need a lot of material. So I think there's quite and also like the kind of if you look back to like twelve inch albums like LPs were kind of always like around the eight track mark. So it's just I guess now it's we're like on Spotify you could make you can make four anything. four months long. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so. Like there's no limit. Whereas always the limit used to be the format. Like yeah. you had a 45 single, so it could only be three minutes I long. And then see you had a... people play with that, like doing yeah. ultra long. Yeah, I mean, ultra, ultra long. Actually, what was talking about? Like yeah. Orteca, yeah. just literally like the NTS sessions is for how long is that actual music? Is like I'm not. What seen... was that for? I didn't so they like that. The, Orteca, the radio station. Yeah, so like they did. They've basically. I say they've written an album, but they've written. Effectively, it was called NTS Sessions One, Two, Three, Four, yeah. and it was broadcast on NTS live. Well, live, but like it wasn't live, but mm. broadcast on NTS for the, to be premiered in a for four weeks of like once a week. Yeah. And and I don't know how long I should know this, but like each session is like forty five minutes or an hour yeah. or more. I think it might even be more. It's like um, mm. I should know this, but um, so they've released and they've released it as a you can buy it as a mm. you know, four well it's probably like eight LPs or whatever mm. and it's a huge amount of music it's yeah. just like a vast and there are tunes it's where it's like riding an algorithmic FM patch that they've generated for 15 minutes mm. and it's like and it's music that's got tons of time just to you get like in a little groove yeah. and you just kind of and it just does this and it doesn't I mean it's constantly changing and evolving because they've They've, you can tell. I think the only way this music could be written is like they've pro, they've got max MSP patches that are doing, oh, yeah. making so there's all like the a change. generative aspect. Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're yeah. always evolving and shuffling. Yeah, and there's yeah. effects that are modular things are being modulated very mm. slightly, um, and they're they're mastering. But yeah. it's the idea that they've made a body of music that's freaking massive to the mm. point where it could never. Is it uh, largely like beatless or? Uh, it's a, like a combo. Yeah. Like stuff that's and all the beats are very strange and there's there's no eight oh eight or nine oh nine you know to be seen. It's like yeah. it's all just their own strange algorithms. But yeah, yeah. it's the idea of I making remember, super long music. Yeah. And, and because you can and, and ironically they have released it on a physical but it's a meaty it's a huge it's a meaty sort of multi set. So yeah. it's but it's as we were saying, it's it's all you can do that because of the digital yeah. work they've done. Yeah, both. it's true, like super long. Super long would be it's a lot of effort though. Sort of well, you've just got to make to, an algorithm, like the sub-focus like, algorithm, so yeah. you can just... Like, I mean, not, not that I'm... It's not like a, it's, <laughs> like, too much effort, but I, mean, I just mean, like, you you also want to be, like, detailed. Of course, when you're making yeah. And, like, you don't... I think, I guess, if you treat it like an algorithmic thing, it's okay to sort of not be forensic in your detail. Yeah, yeah. But there's a danger, I guess, of, like, making something wrong that's not... That you can't... Yeah, like, like well, it's, it's it's sort of so ungainly when it's long to really fine tune. I mean, it, people yeah. would say it's indulgent, and you know, I'm literally listening to bits of that and like going, like, wow, this hasn't done a lot for like, the last five minutes. And it's to, like an Orteca song once ages ago. Um, I think it was when like someone first played me their stuff, and we realised that it sounded exactly the same when you pressed fast forward on the CD because <laughs> <laughs> it was such like a busy choppy yeah, yeah. tune. But there's also some amazing stuff on like really mad conceptual stuff like there's yeah. one tune which is this beautiful sort of like abstract like ambient mm. sort of thing with just sounds things happening yeah. flying past you and and yeah. what the tune I mean, I actually ambient stuff in yeah yeah and it's, it's like and it's, it's yeah. just this evocative and beautiful piece of music and and someone pointed this out and i was like oh my god and what it is is it's one mono track that's being played 
in its entirety in the left channel mm. and then it's been reversed and it's being played that's what the right channel is right so the piece of music is oh, wow. is the same piece of music like sort of flipped and mirrored yeah so and it's that's, that's a, incredible and it's like cool so it meets in the middle there's a yeah. point where the tune they they so like meet sort of like phase at one point i can't remember there must, must be a point i've not like gone Although to the maybe, direct middle of the tune i guess yeah maybe it never does because you'd never have quite the same i mean it depends what the sounds are yeah. that would i mean it would, it would only be for like one sing, single cycle where it was one just song, the waveforms yeah. just cross in the middle and then yeah, like yeah. go off on the merry way yeah but it's like oh it's like that's quite conceptual and like but actually also sounded really good yeah i was like yeah it's like because it really does sound like it all resolves and comes back to the same sort of place Mm. um but yeah i don't know like it's obviously the music that you're making is not like would you i don't know you would have to like create a new project it's like yeah yeah i think there's like sort of experimental aspects of like uh, of the stuff i make but yeah I, i definitely feel like I, I really enjoy listening to a lot of sort of ambient stuff that's like that's more um well just in general like a lot of electronic stuff that's like a lot less um uh geared towards the dance floor i guess like mm. i don't know james holden or, yeah yeah. I, I, yeah I really like what he does with, with modulus oh my god yeah that new and, album um, as well it's like amazing. yeah yeah it's, it's wicked like, so, in, like incredible like jazz influences it's so good it's wicked um but yeah, I think yeah, he was sort of like another person that really like piqued my interest in the kind of like quantizers, like the Inheritors album he did. Yeah, was wicked. Yeah, um, he uses the um, arc as I see him play live. Oh yeah, like, he does the arc spinning yeah. around on the top, and that's it's yeah. such a that's a really it's the same as looking at your live show in a way that people can't yeah. see some of their stuff, like because mm. the arc is such a beautiful yeah, device, it's and just I think a lovely design, for an audience to see the little thing spinning and seeing yeah, the yeah. hand tweaking it is quite a. That's yeah. quite a cool, like visual thing for them. Like, sure, it's like, like yeah. the mono, you know, those are pretty. Yeah, there's something engaging and something where an audience member could see that and kind of visually. Yeah. I tried get, to get like, what was happening. The, there was like there these devices I had made for the live show, which is like these um, infrared motion sensor things. So you can kind of like control, like I'd map them to different synth macros, so you could like make a filter go up and down or control like the pitch of a sound or bring this volume of sound up mm. by bringing your hand down within this kind of space of sort of air above the the machine uh, but i love stuff like that where it's like um i think it, it's quite sort of like it sort of goes back to those like 80s kind of like like jean-michel jar had like, like laser like harps laser harp, yeah i like, love those ideas i think they're great ideas or like van gelis or yeah like, i don't know how he performed really but i think there's it's um i like i love like delving into the lineage of like electronic music and like that that sort of yeah that kind of thing started there and it but it sort of like didn't really um those kind of more showy ways of of performing electronic music didn't really like continue do you know Mm. what i mean like it became more about djing yeah um because of the sort of convenience and stuff but I, i think there's definitely room for that um I think there's, yeah, I mean, like you were saying about, like, watching someone do it, I mean, maybe there should be a lot more, like, audience-facing setups. I, mm. I like what, um, I really like what Colin Bendis does, actually. That's yeah. really cool, even though he's kind of, that's more like him surrounded by stuff, isn't it? Yeah, but, um, but he'll sometimes play this back to much, the audience. Yeah, that's So they nice. can see the system. I've, I've, like, there's this kind of, like, I, I like this sort of just, like, flipping where the crowd should be thing, like, a lot of, you know, like the boiler rooms, for example. Yeah, it's yeah. just a clever idea amount around you to around. have the crowd behind you. Yeah. So you, you know you, you can see everything that's going on in one shot. 
It's, I mean, it can lead to hilarity. Have you yeah. ever done, you've never done a boiler room. No, no, yeah. I would love to, but um, and they don't do like much, much genre no. stuff. It's but, all techno, basically. But um, yeah, I have to start like my techno side project <laughs> now, basically. But um, so you can have some like weird dude just like, <laughs> like so that, I love the people which is the rally, Yeah, I mean, exactly. no, it's really clever what they've done because there were a lot of live streams, you know, happening before that um, that just were not very vibey because yeah. they were like often in. Um, like basically just having a having they've sort of managed to make it feel like what going to a club is yeah yeah, yeah that's like, true whereas a lot of them were sort of in like offices or like you know just like in in sort of fairly sterile places without like audiences I think yeah the crucial no, totally right. the audience yeah like it's one thing if you live really. stream from the corner here but versus if there's an audience there it feels real and live and genuine and yeah it's exciting yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, cool. I suppose the last thing is that yeah. this I've asked this eternal question of everyone, but like, where do you where do you want music technology to go, or what? I mean, we've obviously talked about things that are kind of like the macro controls, like the one, the big like set cross thing. Uh, but, like, <laughs> but like, where? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it can also be like, and also your own music and what you, the things you may do. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, I tell you what, I think what we were talking about, um, the being able to like properly improvise electronic music, I think, would be amazing. And I think it is like you can do it, but it's very tricky to set up now. And I think like I'd love that to evolve more. Mm. Um I don't know whether that's like in Euro Rack or sometimes sometimes I almost think like maybe there's like a hybrid format of that and you know that has some like digital elements to it. Yeah. I mean, like some modular purists are gonna like hate me for saying that, but I think if there it, was like a Euro module. I don't think it ever came out that it literally had a computer inside a module. Yeah. Which was like I don't know. I just think like, um, you, yeah. It's it's like obviously nice that you get analog com- communication within modular, but um, because you get smooth. Um, Waves and and LFOs and whatever, and you don't. It's there's no sort of stepping yeah, thing, yeah. and um, and that probably contributes to the sound. But I think almost like it'd be interesting if there was some sort of way of the modules also communicating with each other that like kept them really in tune and mm. like you know that just made the performance aspect like easier. I think yeah. that would would um, make it amazing. I, I mean, I think the whole idea of you being able to build your own machine is so incredible that yeah. like that um yeah but i just um or you know or it might happen with the the module technology evolving so that you know that there's there's um you're able to kind of improvise more easily with it but i think um i'd i'd yeah definitely a goal of mine is to sort of be able to like improvise music i'm really happy with because mm. it's like when you do get those moments and you know those sort of sweet spots of like um, riding the controls and stuff it's just so exciting yeah, yeah. it's just like you're generating it in the moment and you like only someone could have seen me do this like yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it I really did I always just it. take videos of it and stuff on my phone I need to like I really need to uh, it's kind of like a thing I want to do more of is is, is film more just like in the studio jams mm. that type of thing um, so I sort of de- probably you quiz that. you on your setup yeah yeah well it's like you want to talk to Dead Mouse or something like he's got mm. uh, to his credit like with having that his computer system where he can just 
push a button and like live stream yeah it's amazing it's like what although it's doing. opening up your life quite a lot i mean yeah because you can literally sort of just watch him like write a tune and it's and quite like, like it, i don't know if i'd want to sort of like give people that much access to my life yeah yeah but especially I, if it's like people where you're releasing music on a schedule and you're like i you can't hear this until it's done yeah like, but i mean that. it's good i guess like that's the kind of modern way of doing it, isn't it just like letting people see everything like yeah. the creation of the process i don't necessarily mind people like i guess it, it initially it must have added a lot of pressure to him working because he must be like like this you know because when inevitably when you're working music there's moments where it just sounds like yeah. shit yeah, yeah of like, course <laughs> thank god no one else can hear yeah. that um, so but he's obviously like comfortable with it he's yeah. got a bit of a like give a fuck attitude I think, yeah it's good sort of. it's, it's cool and I mean he's definitely I guess like being another sort of it must have exposed a lot of people to modular seeing his yeah. setup as oh yeah well. yeah that's true ridiculous yeah. setup yeah, you um, should definitely you get streaming well, just like yeah, get this, get this I, yeah. Done. I just kind of want to do a few videos of like um, I did. Um, I just set up like my phone recording. Like I did like I went to see uh, Manuel Gotching. Um, oh my god! Talk about E two four. Oh my god! What did yeah? What um, did he? When was that? Was that here? He yeah. He did like um. They do this um, uh, these like talks at Brilliant Corners in Dawson. Right. Um, and basically, I um I went to. I, I love that album. And, oh yeah, um, that is just like I, I mean, went to this, this talk that he he gave about it, and um, I, I like kind of got the module out the next day and and made a version of it. And, so what did you say? How did that. he do it? Like, oh yeah. It, so I'm trying to think. Like, I can't remember if like some of the. I mean, it's a while ago that I saw this. I can't remember what he was saying, but I, I'm sure when I was like trying to recreate it, like some of those things were in my mind. Mm. I think there was like a lot of. Um, he was using like old sequences yeah, to do yeah. it, so there was a lot of um, sort of random involved in, in getting those. Because there's these weird, of like sort of kind of like weird high sounds that are almost like stringy, yeah. and then but then there's like obviously like the did, 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 like sort of piano. Yeah, and then it's, it's just guitar, isn't it? As I well, think just he was like saying that he like just, made it to listen to because he had like a plane journey and he like made this long piece of music because he wanted to like listen to some of his own music, which I love. Like that's, that's like. Amazing. That's why I started making music. I just yeah. like made my own weird music and then like listened to it on the train and it was like really exciting. Yeah. And I think like it's good to remember that's why that's what's fun about making music. You can like make your own sort of soundtrack to like walk around to. Yeah. And um but he was saying that and then he you know, he was on Virgin at the time records and he was like playing it to to Richard Branson and stuff at the time because he still actually ran it yeah. at that point and I can't remember if it came out Virgin or not I don't think they did release it I think it was a bit experimental yeah. um, but it's an amazing song because it's kind of like the birth of house music basically yeah it like, does it's like the most like sort of druggy weirdly kind of prescient of yeah. like what came after yeah, it like, yeah. as in it sounds like sort of Detroit techno before yeah, it, it even happened yeah exactly it's mad it's a wicked piece of music yeah oh well yeah, make it on the echo one. Yeah, no, I, well, I, had, I did make a version. I mean, it's not like it's nothing like the original, but yeah, um, but yeah no, I want to, I want to do more, more studio jams because I think that's just like it's, it's fun sort of showing people the, the process. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, demystifying it as well. Yeah, it's easier yeah. than ever now. Like, I yeah, think it's, yeah, it's, I never have that thing of like not wanting to give away secrets. It's just quite fun talking about stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I never feel like, no, like I need to like hold back the sort of details. It's no. just nice. Like, and it's well, it's, it, yeah, and then no one can write music like you do. No, no one, like vice versa. Exactly. It's yeah, like, like it's, no, no, it's not going to help. Too, it's too complicated for for anybody to sort of. 
I don't. Yeah, giving away your tips isn't going to like instantly kind of. It doesn't make you put style, you out of a job. Sort of, yeah, like unless someone does make the algorithm just yeah. <laughs> you out of a job. Until that happens, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, mate, really nice to chat. Yeah, man, to you. Really thank you for that. your time. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks a lot. I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, pretty good, eh? What a nice dude. What a extremely lovely man. And thank you, Nick, for giving your time when you could be, like, headlining Brixton Academy. Um, instead, talking to me, it is appreciated. And I want to rewind and especially highlight that little thing that Nick said. What people maybe don't realise is that you throw away almost 80% of what you make or thereabouts. Like... He's so incredibly right. If you make music, you will know that the only way you can write great music is to just write a lot of music and recognise when you've written something great. Like, no one ever sits down to write their masterpiece. That's not, how, that's not a thing. No one sits down and goes, I'm going to write good music today. I sat down yesterday with the mind that I was going to write rubbish music, but that didn't work. I'm just going to sit down and say I'm going to write great music. It doesn't work like that. You just have to sit down and write and just do stuff. That's why synths are so amazing and groove boxes and modulars. And so I consider it a statistical battle. And I think that the more you sit down and the more you cast your net and the more you just try and make sounds and judge whether they're good or not, then the more likely it is that you're actually going to write something amazing. I definitely know it's true for me. Um, having written <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of things, I wouldn't like you to hear all of the things I've made. But I know there were amazing things that just kind of happened, and you like sit down, you've got no major designs on the evening, but you just sit down and start and do something, and at the end of the night, as you're putting the computer to bed, you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. Where the hell did this come from? And so my takeaway from this is to echo that truth. A great way to write great music is just write a lot of rubbish. Write at all costs, just write and finish what you write and put it on a shelf and come back to it later and decide whether it's good or not. I stone cold guarantee it will probably be better than you think and by very virtue of you having written it and soldiered through it will mean that the things that you have a go at writing next will probably be better. So, thanks Nick. Good life lesson. And that brings us to a close. Friends, it's time for me to go. All that's left is to thank Nick. Thank you, Nick, for giving your time. To thank our sponsors, Signal Sounds, for being awesome. Also, shout out to Jason's mum. And lastly, the only other person that I have to thank is you. Thank you.